And as we've been talking about in the last few weeks, there's been some things that Satan knew the church was growing. He knew he was not going to be able to defeat Christ, but he was going to try to get in from the outside and stop what was going on, the multiplication of the church. He was going to try to get in on the inside. And what we've been knowing is that there were some bad things going on on the outside. The church started being persecuted, but it didn't stop it from multiplying. It was still growing. And then Satan tried to get in on the inside. And what we have seen the last few weeks is that the leaders... um, that were empowered by that resurrection power were saying, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and anything that sounds like division, smells like division, acts like division, we're going to call people on it, and it's not going to divide this church. And we saw that was happening. There were some um, uh, people from different cultures, you remember, who their widows needed to be have food and be taken care of, and some of that was kind of coming to a head, and the leader stepped in and said, wait a minute, let's, let's take care of that, and they did, and they got some guys to handle that in a way that wouldn't divide the church, and it help the church and we saw last week where something amazing happened is that one of those guys who was originally picked to take care of widows and help in the daily distribution of feed, all of a sudden he's going out and, and telling the good news of Jesus in Samaria and as I told y'all last week in Samaria we say well that's great he just went next door or town next to him and started but it was very different again you had these tensions of cultures the Samaritans had always felt like outsiders from the Jewish people. And so to have Jewish people coming in and saying, we have this resurrection power in us of Jesus. We want you to have it. They're going, what do you mean you want us to have it? For years, you've told us we couldn't be a part of your temple. We couldn't be a part of you because you weren't one of us. And now you're coming to us and telling us about this resurrection power. That's amazing. Why is that going on? Something's different. There is a resurrection power inside you for you to come into our town, into our cities, and tell us about this. And, and Philip was doing that, and when he did, people heard it, they believed it, and they were baptized. And it was an amazing thing. And then the church in Jerusalem heard it, and those closest to Jesus, Peter and John, says, what do you mean these people are hearing the word and they're becoming baptized? That's amazing. And they went down there to check it out, and they laid their hands on these people and said, we want you to receive the Holy Spirit. And we know there was some sort of a manifestation that actually physically showed that they received something. And this man named Simon, as we talked about last week, was a sorcerer in that area. He had done a lot of things for years. People were kind of enamored with him. But when Philip came in and started talking about this hope in Christ, this resurrection power that could live inside of you, people were buying into this, and all of a sudden this guy's going, wait a minute, what's this guy doing? He's getting some of my attention. And it said that he believed and was baptized. But then when he saw the Holy Spirit, those guys come from Jerusalem, uh, John and Peter, and they laid hands on people. He goes, I want that. I'll give you money if I can have that power. And they go, what in the world? This is not for sale. May your money perish with you. This is something that God gives as a free gift. And so the Samaritans not only realized the Jews were coming there to give them the new hope, they knew they were taking them seriously and said, wait a minute, we don't want you to be deceived. This is a gift you can't buy it. We're not going to let this man come in here and try to sell this to you. And uh, they, they stop that immediately. So we see some great things are happening in the early church. Um, they're receiving the hope of Jesus that's shared with them by the Jewish people. They're being receptive to it. They don't get all defensive and say, hey, what's your angle? They just go, you're telling us about resurrection power. We've seen that before you wouldn't even come into our town, Harley, and now you're coming and sharing this. We know this is for real. We know that the church was being multiplied because the leaders are being led by and responding to the Holy Spirit. The church is multiplying because the leaders are acting with integrity. And like I said before, any time uh, they're not going to allow divisive talk, they're not going to allow divisive actions to divide the church and keep it from multiplying. And the church was multiplying because the disciples were following exactly what Jesus told them to do when he ascended. He said, I want you to go into all the world 
and baptize them, making disciples. And he says, start in Jerusalem, which they did, go into Judea, and then into Samaria, and then into all the world. And then we're seeing in the book of Acts, y'all, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts says what happened. So it's happening in Jerusalem, it's happening in Judea, and now it's in Samaria, and today we're going to hear that it was going to go even further to the ends of the earth. And God has all this when people listen to the Holy Spirit. So it's an amazing thing. So I want to read another passage um, to you this morning. And so Philip was responsible for going to Samaria and preaching. And i got to be honest, when all these people are coming forward and all these people are believing the message of hope, this resurrection power, and they're being baptized, you know for a preacher he's going, this is amazing. God's doing something through me and people are believing and they're coming forward. That is awesome. I want to be doing that every week. And so I started thinking about what's going on. We're getting ready to move into this new building, y'all. And I'm going to be fired up if people come every single Sunday and start accepting Christ. And being. And I'm going to do it every single week. But what's interesting is, Philip here is doing this amazing thing in Samaria. People are coming forward. They know he's from God because of the miracles. They know that their life is being transformed. But then what we're going to hear today is God calls him to something that maybe seems a little insignificant compared to that. So I want you to think about today, sometimes in life when we're doing something that we think is very significant, very big, and if things are going well and we think God's in this, I know He is, things are going well, I need to stay in this big thing that's going on, that's significant, and God calls us to something that we go, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound significant. That doesn't sound big and, and, and getting going like that, so why do, why, why do I need to listen to that? But Philip... Listen to God. And this is amazing. So I want you to listen carefully as we read this passage from um, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. I believe it's going to be on the screen behind me. Yeah, that's good. So I'm just going to read it as y'all read behind me, and hopefully I'm keeping it right. So listen to what happens here. So again, all these things are happening in Samaria. I'd want to stay and be a part of that. You know, this is happening. Things are happening. But now listen to what the Spirit leads Philip to do. Now an angel, actually an angel of the Lord said, Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Maybe your version says Candace. Um, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran. Then just go. He ran. He ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading from Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before a shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when, he, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. 
Now, this is a special passage to me, and I'll tell you why. When I was growing up in church, and I, I, I was at Southwest Christian Church. We were in a different place then. But every time we had a baptism when I was growing up, while the people were getting ready, preparing for baptism, changing their clothes, getting their robes, we would have an elder come and read a passage of Scripture that would talk about baptism. And most of the time, it was this passage. I don't know if any of y'all here ever had that uh, read while you were waiting for baptism, but I always was fascinated by this, that this guy is just led out to this desert road, and he runs into this guy from Ethiopia. I find that amazing. And what I find amazing about all of this is, is, that, is that Philip is leaving something that seems to be very exciting and growing for a chance of something else. And he's not really sure what it is, but he is led to the Spirit, calls him to go there. Angels spoke. You know, when an angel speaks to you, you do something, right? But then when he goes and obeys and is obedient, the Spirit tells him, go stand next to that chair. And he's probably got to be going, what in the world? An Ethiopian guy, what's he doing here? This is a royalty. Now, I want to tell you a little something about uh, the Ethiopian part of this. Um, uh, and this is, this is amazing how God works things, too. Um, in your bulletin this morning, each week we have a uh, missionary that we support, that we put in there, and we just kind of highlight them. And today, and I did not orchestrate this at all. It just happened. It just so happens to be our friend, uh, Jonas Kebedi, who we support in Ethiopia, who has uh, a ministry to street children called Grace for All. It just happens to be there. I had lunch with him this week because I wanted to ask him a little bit about this passage. You know, he's from Ethiopia. He grew up there. I got to go a few years ago and see firsthand um, uh, with Mike and some of the others that, that are here today uh, in Ethiopia. That that because me and um, Jonas met in college, and and amazingly enough, you think you're doing something significant. I got invited uh, one night by somebody else. Says, "Hey, come." eat at Jonas's house. His sister's going to cook Ethiopian food, and it was just an invitation. And I thought, I don't know about Ethiopian food. I don't know anything about it. But I went, and it was amazing. The food, it was uh, great. And Jonas and I are still friends all this time. But little did I know by accepting that invitation that many years ago in college that I was going to, you know, be friends with Jonas. I was going to get to go and actually go to Ethiopia one day and see the ministry that God put in his heart to start in Ethiopia. God can take something so small and just blow it up. It's, it's amazing. So anyway, so I'm talking to Jonas at lunch, and he says, yeah, um, people in Ethiopia absolutely uh, believe this happened. That's why we have the gospel message, because that Ethiopian eunuch went from there, came back, and told about it. He also told me something very interesting. How many of y'all have heard that the Ark of the Covenant, y'all know what that is, right? You know, Indiana Jones, all okay. That is supposed to be in Ethiopia. Have y'all heard this before? Okay. And and Jonas, abs I saw a um, documentary one time, it was very fascinating. And he says, yeah, it's here. And he says, you know how it got here? I said, I did not know that. I'm sure somebody brought it there at some point. But they believe that the Queen of Sheba, remember that, Solomon in the Old Testament, was actually from Ethiopia in that area at the time. And uh, when she was there with Solomon, something went on, and later there was a son. And we know that Solomon kind of had a problem with women. I mean, he had 300 wives and 700 concubines, right? Okay? And so he had a lot of marriages and concubines to help peace treaties and this and that. And so they believe that, that there was a son out of that meeting and that he, you know, she went back and found, I guess, oh, I'm going to have a son. And then it got word to him, and he came back to his father Solomon to learn all the wisdom that he had. And when he sent him back to Ethiopia, he sent the Ark of the Covenant with him. Now, I don't have any way of validating any of that, but that's fascinating to me. They absolutely believe that there. 
that that's where it is and that that's how it got there. I don't, can't validate that, but I've heard that from other sources. But it was great talking to Jonas, and Jonas told me that his father, uh, that this guy was actually like secretary of the treasure in the Bible, this, this eunuch. Now, when you hear eunuch, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's something we all cringe at as men. He was like, oh, okay. Um, some people were that way because somebody did that to them. Some people were that because they chose to do that or they were born like that. Um, this could possibly mean that or it could just mean anybody that was working in the royal circle. And a lot of times in those days, if you were working with the king's women, whether it was his wife or one of his concubines or many wives, whatever it was, they just went ahead and took care of that so there wouldn't be any problems, if you know what I mean, okay? So that might be why he was like that, okay? He was near the... the I know, you're saying, why, there's kids in here, what are you talking about, okay? Um, but it may have meant that. But anyway, this guy had come to Jerusalem to worship. And Jonah said, absolutely, they came to worship. But he said, did you know that my father was in with the king back in the 70s, 60s and 70s? There was king, tell me, Mike, Ali Selassie. Have you all ever heard of that? They called him. He was the king of Ethiopia. And in 1974, that group was overthrown. The communists came in and took over. And quite honestly, Ethiopia has been an absolute disaster since. Um, but there was a king that was very, he's called the Lion of Judah. His dad was in very, uh, in, in that royalty. And in 1974, Jonas was probably just becoming a teenager. Um, the king was not only overthrown, but killed. There was horrible violence that went on in Ethiopia. And Jonas said that he had to burn a lot of his father's paperwork and pictures because if they had found out that he was his son, that he would have absolutely been killed. Can you imagine? being that age and having to do that. But he found a picture recently that a relative had been able to save of his dad in this royal position, in, in a special place, and absolutely his dad was very similar possible position as to what this guy was in this passage. And uh, his dad died when he was 103 years old. How about that? Um, so anyway, I had a fascinating lunch with Jonas, just listening to him tell me about the culture of Ethiopia and validating how people absolutely revere Philip for going to that chariot. And they know that the gospel of Christ came to them because of what happened in this, this passage we're reading today. It's very fascinating to me. So as we read that, I think, but Philip had to say, I'm going to listen. I'm not going to get caught up in all that popularity that's going on in Samaria because people are coming. I'm going to go for one person. And as he goes out there, there's this guy in this. And y'all, this isn't like a chariot. We think of an open chariot, you know, with maybe two people standing in it. No, this is like a big entourage if he's the treasurer. He's come here to worship. But you know, in the Jewish religion, if you were a, a eunuch, you could not worship in certain parts of the temple. You, if you were from a foreign country, you could not worship in certain parts of the temple. There was places you could go and you could become a Jew. So maybe this man was in the process. Another thing we know that he was serious about finding God is that he's reading from Isaiah. They didn't have Bibles then. We know they had scrolls, and to get a scroll copy of the book of Isaiah would have been very uh, hard to do that, but this guy had one. How did he have that? Well, he's the treasurer. He probably has a lot of money at his disposal, and he wanted to find out about God, so he's reading this. And it was also, I understand, that people did read out loud in those days. And so he's reading out loud. And so when the Spirit said, I want you to go to that chariot, it says that Philip ran to that chariot, as we just read. And he says, he hears this guy reading. He understands what he's reading from Isaiah. But he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy goes, well, how can I possibly understand unless someone shares it? Now, Philip has to be open, but also this guy has to be. He's, I'm sorry, who are you? 
You're just some guy running alongside here in the desert. Why should I listen to you? Do you not realize I'm the treasurer of the queen in, in Ethiopia? Why are you bothering me? But he doesn't. He goes, how can I understand unless somebody explains it to me? Hop up in this. It had to be a, an amazing experience for both of them. Why is this Jewish man who I've heard has said, you know, you can only come so far in our religion, but he's wanting to explain this to me. I want to hear what he has to say. And Philip's got to be going, this is amazing. God's called me out of Samaria, and this guy's a big deal. I didn't really realize it, but obviously, look at all these horses and this, this, you know, this chariot is a big deal, and there's probably a whole entourage with him, and he's going, this is amazing. What is God doing? So he sits down, and it says, from that very passage, he started right where he was, and he started telling him about the good news of Jesus Christ. He was able to link it. Because you know, when we read that passage, we go, a sheep to, like a lamb before his shear is silent. He did not, what in the world? What is, who is he talking about? And so Philip has this awesome opportunity. He goes, probably when you were in Jerusalem, you know, Mr. Treasurer, you probably heard about Jesus who was recently crucified, right? Yeah, I heard about that. And you heard about now they cannot find his body and his followers claim that he's alive now and it's transforming all kinds of people. Yeah, I heard about that too. This is what this is about. Hundreds of years before, the prophet Isaiah that you're reading right now was prophesying that this Jesus would come to give people this resurrection hope in their lives. And I think this was just an amazing conversation. I would have loved to have heard it. And so he's receptive to the gospel. And as they keep riding along, I don't know where in the conversation baptism came up, but apparently it did because as soon as he saw water, what did he say? I'm ready. Can we get baptized right now? And Philip's going, let's do it, you know? And they went down and he was baptized and he was, he was receptive to that. And I think that's an amazing thing. And again, Philip was going, all that stuff that's going on in Samaria, this. And he's probably going, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus was talking about. This is what he meant. Now this guy's going to go. And we know that's what was happening. God's plan was just unfolding right there before him. And he had a, a, a chance to be a part of that. Now, I just think this is a great story. And I'm thankful for those who are who were receptive to the gospel, those who were receptive. So you say, well, that's great, Craig. I think it's interesting, you know, that stuff about Jonas and all that. That's great. But what does this really mean for us today? I think it means that sometimes we don't realize the significance of one conversation. One conversation that we can have someone that can change their life forever. And we're so busy thinking about something bigger and maybe that's, that's happening in our life that we think it, it matters more. And guys go, no, i got something small I want you to do because it's going to be very significant later. And you don't know, but I do know because I'm seeing the big plan here. I'm seeing the big picture. So I think what we've got to think about is we're getting ready to move into a new building. And there's going to be people, y'all, that are going to be coming and checking us out and just to kind of see who we are. Some of y'all are maybe here today, and you're like, well, who is this Southwest Church? And you know what? There's going to be people who are not going to understand what they're thinking or what they're reading, and they're going to need people to come beside them and say, hey, how can I help you? How can I help you understand what this resurrection power is we have? Why are we building a new building in Coweta County? Why, are we, why is that important? Why are we going to invite all these people to our church? Because we want them to have the resurrection power. Is that not true? And let me tell you something, y'all. They're not necessarily going to want to talk to the preacher because they're going to think, oh, he doesn't have time. Oh, he's, you know, oh, you know how those guys are, whatever. But you know what? They are going to want to talk to you. And we need to know, we have to be ready that somebody wants to know me. And that doesn't mean you have to know everything, but if you can just sit down and have a conversation with them, just like Philip was willing to do. So I think some of the things that, w that we can do um, 
is, is that we can say, hey, I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit to prompt me. I was telling the first service, I got an email this week from somebody that's been visiting in this service, and they were in a chiropractor's office this week. And I got this email saying, hey, I was in the chiropractor's office this week, and this uh, lady, was tell- I, she just asked me, she goes, oh, we were just you know, chit-chatting as we were getting ready to go in there and get, our, get cracked or whatever. And um, she said, um, hey, um, uh, where do y'all go to church? She says, well, we've been visiting this place called Southwest Christian Church. So, well, I've been going to Southwest for like 40 years. And they started talking about all these different people. They knew, and then I got the, uh, the email back and said, hey, I just met this person in the chiropractor. I said, isn't that amazing? It was really neat thing. And she said, and of course, this lady that's been here for over 40 years, she's like saying, I told him, well, this is a sign that you're supposed to be at our church, you know? <laughs> and I was like, that's right. But see, it just started with a simple little conversation in the chiropractor's office. I mean, what are the chances of that happening? So what I'm saying is, is that God, if we will listen for the Holy Spirit to prompt us, should I say something to that guy? Is he going to think I'm a weirdo? We've got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And then we have to respond to that prompting just like Philip did. And we've got to start right where that person is. We can't expect them to be on a level that's unreasonable for them. They're not where we are. Thank goodness we're not all at the same spot. But we've got to be really say, hey, where is that person? Let's start right there. And Philip says, do you understand? Then he started with that very passage. And I don't know how long it took him. I don't know how he weaved that. But the Holy Spirit guided him to say he took him to Jesus. And it, he wanted that. He wanted to be baptized. He wanted to be resurrected. He wanted that resurrection power. And so we need to tell them the good news about Jesus, and then we need to be ready for them to respond in the next steps. That doesn't mean we force them. That doesn't mean we manipulate them into the next steps of being baptized. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Philip didn't say, you need to be baptized right now. He goes, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? Okay? It was his choice. I want that resurrection power, but it had been presented to him. So sometimes I think we maybe reject or ignore the Spirit's calling in our lives because we're too busy, we're too distracted, or we think that this situation God couldn't possibly use me in, and God can. Because maybe we're comfortable where we are and we just want to go on. But what if Philip had ignored that prompting from the Spirit? I think that's God, but I'm liking it in Samaria. All these people are digging me right now. This is great. They're all coming forward every night. This is great. But no, he says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go down this desert road. I don't know what God has for me, but I know it's going to be something important. What if Peter and John had said, yeah, that's great. The Samaritans are coming there, but we don't need to go down there and check that out. We don't need to do that. No, they went. They wanted to see what God was doing. They wanted to say, this is amazing. I want to be a part of this. And I think it's interesting, they did go, they did share in this monumental process. You say, well, God would have used somebody else. I know that. God still would have made his plan come about. But don't you want to be the person that God uses? I do. I want to be the person that God uses. And he can use and he will use. And so they did go. They do, did share in this monumental process of taking the good news of Jesus all over. And that inspired them and others. And they started to see um, the things Jesus had taught them um, becoming a reality. And they probably started thinking, man, this kingdom thing is growing. This church thing is multiplying. Remember when Jesus said the kingdom of God is like. It's like this seed that's planted in the ground, and all of a sudden it starts flourishing. And they're saying, remember when Jesus told that? I'm sure there was a, a lot of talk about that. They started to see this kingdom of God that Jesus talked about coming all over the earth and in all these places, and people from all walks of life are being transformed. Like, this is what Jesus was talking about. All right. Did I, did I tell the story about Tony Campolo? I didn't tell it in this service today yet. Okay, good. Y'all have shame. I'm, I did the first service. So I'm like, Bleh, sometimes. All right. So Tony Campolo is an author and speaker, taught at um, uh, Eastern College in Pennsylvania for many years. And he has this great story 
about um, he was asked to come speak at a Pentecostal college. He taught at one college, Christian college, but this Pentecostal school would ask him to come and do their chapel occasionally. He says, I love going to there because the Pentecostal people are just, you know, they're just so into it, you know. And he said, so before I would come and speak at their chapel, uh, every time I went, I knew they would do this. They'd have me go in this little room next to the chapel, and several faculty members would come and lay their hands on me, and they would pray for me. And they, I had to get on my knees, and they would put their hands on my head, and, the long, and they had long prayers. They're Pentecostals. That's what they do, okay? Holy Spirit prayers. And he says, the, you know, the longer the prayers went, they just start pressing down on my head, and it gets a little uncomfortable. And he said, they're, they're praying, and they're praying, and... Um, and said, this one guy starts praying, and I said, it was getting long, and he was not praying for me. I said, like, if you're going to pray long, at least pray for me if I've got my, you know, I'm under your hand. And he said, he starts talking about this guy named Charlie Stolfus. And he said, Lord, you know who Charlie Stolfus is? He's this guy down the road, and he's getting ready to walk out on his wife and three kids. And Lord, I just pray that he will not do that. He's going to ruin his family. I pray that you will send an angel to deliver him from this and wreck that family. Lord, please do something. You know who Charlie Stolfus is? He lives about a mile down the road on the right-hand side in that bright silver trailer. You know who he is, Lord? He's going, just finish the prayer, please. My neck is about to kill me here. So he finishes the prayer. He says, I... I, I, I do my chapel service. It's great. They thank me. I got in my car. I started down the Pennsylvania Turnpike from the school. And as I'm driving, um, there's a hitchhiker. And I know you're not supposed to pick up hitchhikers, but he says, I'm a preacher, and if I can get anybody in a situation where I can sh share the gospel, I do. So he pulls over. He picks this guy up. He starts driving. He goes, I'm Tony Campolo. Who are you? My name's Charlie Stolfus. <laughs> and he said, I just kind of smiled. I didn't say anything for a few moments. He said, then I got off at the next exit, and I turned around, and I started going back the other way. He goes, what are you doing? He says, I'm taking you home. He goes, what do you mean you're taking me home? He says, I'm taking you home. You just left your wife and kids, didn't he? He goes, yes. And he said, how did you know that? He said, God told me. And then he drove, and he drove, and he drove, and he saw that silver trailer on the right-hand side of the road down from the school, and he pulled over in the driveway, and he goes, how did you know where I live? God told me. And he says, I pulled in and I said, I want you to go get your wife. We're going to have a conversation right now. And he says, he ran into the house, and they sat down. And for the next two hours, he says, he tried to sort out their marital things, and he led them both to uh, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that guy became a preacher later down south. Isn't that amazing? Now, again, you're thinking, I'm doing this big thing of speaking to a chapel of all these kids at a Christian college. That's the most important thing. But what turned out to be even more important that day? that this guy was hitchhiking and leaving his family. And Tony was in tune enough with the Spirit to say, God, you know, at the time he didn't even understand that name Charlie. So this guy's just being a little bit too specific in his prayers for me. But it was for a reason. Now, I tell you that story just because it, it's, you can't make it up. But it's amazing how God works. And God will work in your life and God will work in my life if we'll be open to that and listen and knowing that he still wants to multiply the church. And he can do it in big ways, through big churches, but he can do it in small ways, in small churches. He can do it through people who, uh, you know, can speak to thousands, or he can do it to just people having a conversation in a chiropractor's office or picking up somebody to say, where are you right now? Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what's happening in your life? I don't know everything, but let me tell you what God's done in my life. And a lot of you have experiences that are unique to you that can help somebody else. And you're the person that they need to hear from. And God wants to use you, and God gives you that opportunity to share the gospel message and tell them the good news of Jesus, and I hope you will.